Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. But really, uh, I think what we want most out of this is probably just for interaction, right? We really want to just create a space where we can ask questions, where we can discuss stuff. So if there's things that you're like, oh, I always wanted to know about this, or I have this current question here that I'm thinking about, and, and you just never really uh, done that, or, or you just like to know what our thoughts are on it, yeah, please please do that. And I guess I'd specify, too, that's, uh, that's if you're a follower of Jesus, that's if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's, yeah. you know, just wherever yep. you're at. All, all the questions are on the table. So don't be, yeah, don't be, the only, the only thing, there, there is a such thing as a bad question, but the only thing is a bad question is a question that's designed to make me look foolish. <laughs> or, or, you know what I mean? Like a question asked from like a place of like anger and, and to try and make someone look foolish. It's I think that's the only example. Yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah. But other than that, like no kind of content is going to be bad. So everything's on the table. So feel yeah, free to sure. ask whatever. Um, so we'll kind of just jump into it here, but feel free to, mm-hmm. of course, throw in your responses, throw in your questions. Yeah. If yeah. we don't, if we don't know, we, we don't know. And we'll yeah. be honest about that. Yeah. And, uh, and just kudos to you, OVV. You've asked great questions. This is something we've been doing for a number of years now, and you guys have done a fantastic job uh, of, uh, really asking questions that are on your hearts. And, uh, so we just love that interaction. This helps us inform the preaching for the next year. We know what yeah. kind of things you're wondering about and it's a way of you, uh, uh sharing your hearts with us too. So it's great. Yeah, and just one little more brief bit of introduction too. We really value questions, right? Yeah, uh, especially, do, yeah. especially if you're a seeker or you're not sure about this yeah. Christianity thing. Um, we want, uh, you know, the good news is, you know, we actually believe it's it's real, and you can question it. You can seek and test those things that you see as weaknesses or flaws. You know, like we 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 value that. We want to work out our faith and and, and actually see if this thing is real. So I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there that we value this. We 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 really want to dig deep and yeah. go towards the elephants in the room about what we believe or don't believe and all yeah. those things. For sure. And I value it yeah. as a pastor too, right? I think pastors can get into a silo or get on a pedestal or, or whatever, or be seen as an oracle where my words have right. yeah, some special weight. And I think there is something special about the uh, pastoral authority. We, we do believe in that, but uh, there's a way in which we got to kick me off the pedestal fairly often and let it be a family and a conversation and interactive. So yeah, for sure. That's a good, that's yeah, a really sure. good point. This is really about all of us together, right? The Christian life is about all of us together. How do we, how do we draw closer to Jesus? This, this person yeah. who we're following, how do we, how do we know him more? How do we draw closer to him? And I think the questions are, yeah, yeah. integral to that. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Well, Hey, let's do it. Yeah. Enough talking about uh, talking about it, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's That's question number one. So we had from Mark Maxwell who sent it in early. He said, can you tell us, can you tell us about your calling into pastoral ministry? Uh, why do you feel called to serve this church? And I'll just modify that a little bit. Cause I think this is primarily directed at Aaron. I'll modify that a little bit and I'll just kind of expand it to say, or why do you call, why, Jake, do you feel called into serving with the church? What is it that draws you to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe we'll jump to Aaron first. Sure. Um, yeah, so I think uh, over the years, you know, in various uh, contexts, I've had a chance to sort of share my calling story. But um, uh, it was, I think, just it was a fairly dramatic encounter uh, with God when I was in my mid-teens. I think there were some signs of it uh, earlier on. Um, I think I was asking deep theological questions of the United Church pastor I was who was doing the kids' story when I was four years old. My parents all talked about me asking like these crazy questions. 
um, and had, you know, ways of serving in the church, even, you know, and I was a junior usher in my Baptist church growing up. Right. Cool. So I had this sort of heart to serve always, but in terms of a real calling to ministry, that was when I was 17. And that, as I've told the story before, it was on a Christmas, uh, uh, December 23rd, really, um, when we have our Christmas Eve Eve service and, uh, I was just doing the standard high school student thing where I kind of had one life for school and one life, uh, for home, you know, just not kind of a harmonized life or not really a mission or a real strong focus. Um, but I was a Christian kid and I thought, okay, I should kind of read the Bible, read the Christmas story. And, uh, this one evening, December 23rd, I opened up the Bible to read the Christmas story. I was going to Luke and, uh, I felt like God literally came in my room. Like just the full on hmm. encounter with the presence of God. I, my desk was sitting facing the corner of, of the room and I felt like God was standing behind me. Um, and I felt it's like I could li- almost literally feel like the weight and the heat on the back of my neck, like in a very, very tangible way. And he said, uh, minister to my people. So just those words were it. Yeah. I remember feeling this incredible sense of love and also just an incredible sense of holiness, like, and a sense of fear. Like, I don't know how I can describe it any more than to say, like, if I could have crawled under the carpet, I would have like, just like, mm. I felt like an absolute worm, like every sinful thing in me was fully known and fully seen. And at the same moment, feeling holy and fully loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and grace and forgiveness. And so just this incredibly intimate moment with Lord, with the Lord, with the, those words minister to my people. That's it. And uh, from that point, I changed trajectory. I jumped out of, even in high school, jumped out of sciences and jumped out of, uh, maths a little bit, moved towards the humanities, started reading theology. By the time I was out of high school, I'd read, uh, a whole bunch of early church fathers stuff and a lot of Christian writers and was beginning to prepare, um, for right. ministry, trying to figure out what all that meant, right? And still I'm trying to figure out what that really means to do that job. I don't know, right, right. but... But it kind of started with that, yeah. that yeah. moment, right? That encounter. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. How would... I mean, yeah, I'm curious, Jake. How would you answer that? Which is like, I mean, I don't know if you'd say I'm in pastoral ministry or not, but you could rephrase it to be like, why do you do what you do, right? Yeah, right. Like what? Yeah, why? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't um, anticipate that one coming my way, but I think uh, just off the cuff, you know... Um, yeah, I just, my life was just so radically impacted by the love of Jesus. And um, yeah, I was convicted at this sense that, I mean, just, you know, wanting that for other people. So connecting, I, I you know, I'm convinced of the value of local church. And this is the church I've been in. I've been coming here since I was 14, actually, <laughs> before I really actually was sincere about following Christ. Something really shifted for me at 18. And um, yeah, so I, just, I value local church. I want this, you know, I feel called to be a part of a, a body in a community. And this is my, this is my yep. hometown crowd. And this is where my family was going before I was ever serious about it. And so, yeah, I just, I just want that to be known and shared. And um, yeah, I think there's just a sense for me that we are all a part of God's love advancing mm-hmm. in this earth, God's kingdom coming. And um, we're all in full-time ministry. Yep. And, and I think that that's the sense that drives me to, to just be involved the way I am, you know, yep. in, in a variety of different ways, but especially with OVV as well. Like, um, we are all called to be reaching our town and to be loving our neighbors and to like, to, to advance, like, you know, to share the gospel and see that change people's lives. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's the conviction that keeps pushing yep. me forward is yeah, the, yeah, yeah. this amazing love of God that, uh, needs to be shared to our neighbors and we're, we're it. It's going to come through us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, and I don't mean us, I mean us, you know, like all, all us, you know, yeah, not yeah. us three, we're it. No, I'm just kidding. 
um, all of us. Yeah, you know? we feel called yeah. to this town and this space. I mean, I think I think we have a broader sense of calling, right, to the world, to missions, to all that kind of stuff. But there is right. a local presence and a local embodiment of the body of Christ that we're called to serve. And um, I think, uh, you know, we look, there's there's so there's that sense of calling that came from the past, that sense of maybe anointing, that sense of weight that God has put on that says, hey, this is your task. But then there's also like a, a sense of the need around you, right? There's a way we will drive through the streets and realize that, almost every person you look at doesn't know Jesus and doesn't yeah. have hope. And, and, and so there's this overwhelming uh, sense of need uh, that, that is met with compassion um, right. that we, you respond to in real time. And we want, yeah. so you want to have two things. You want to have a, a calling and you want to have compassion. Right? Yeah. Right, right. yeah. So let's, uh, let's corral this and let's jump to a question by Michelle for all three of you. So I guess that includes me too. What are your go-to Bible translations and why? Oh, okay. Um, I think everyone who's watching is probably familiar that there's different English translations of the Bible, right? Yep. So which one do you choose and why do you choose that one? I have a quick and easy answer on that one. I'm yeah. reading the ESV, which you can see right here because it was uh, given to me for Christmas like three years ago. Yeah. And I wanted to, I asked for a new translation because I had finished reading the NLT and I thought it would be good to get a new perspective. Yeah. So I, I, I was given ESV. I didn't request ESV, just there it was. There it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you, Matt? Um, yeah, so I mean, I think... I think every translation is probably going to capture certain things and miss other things. That's just how you get, you know, different yep. translations. I think it's important to say that I think a lot of the translations are probably really faithful on the like main themes of things. Sometimes people hear this question or they hear questions about translation and they're like, oh, well, what if that one says something completely different from that one? I say a lot of the cases, they're really trying to say the same thing. It's just like two different sentences trying to say it in different ways because that's the way translation works. I use ESV primarily. Um, why? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's helpful to read a bunch of different ones. So I yep. try to read different ones. I'm currently using the ESV. Yeah. It seems to be pretty accurate and easy enough to read. We're two for two on ESV here. Uh, yeah. 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 So that's, that's where yeah. we're voting. Yeah. ESV. I think yeah. if the uh, King James Bible is good enough for Paul and Timothy, it's good enough for me. There you go. Nice. I don't I like think that. they, they like didn't speak answer. English. Oh, that's the, right. That's the okay. problem. <laughs> so that's not okay. No, I actually, right now I'm, I'm, it's funny. We're all ESV people right now. That's what I've got as well. Right. Um, but, uh, I grew up a lot with the NIV. I found that very, very helpful. Um, uh, I think there's this, just different value in different and in different translations and different things to be aware of as you read them. NIV is super helpful. So through Christmas, because it's something that so many Christians are really familiar with, you'll notice that uh, on all the Advent readings that we did, or most of them, I think we were using NIV. Right. And we'll use NIV on the screens a lot uh, for OVV. Uh, when I'm preaching and trying to get into the detail, I'll maybe switch to ESV. So that's a time when I would want to be closer uh, to something that's closer to a more literal translation. So ESV really attempts to take each word, understand its meaning, and translate it, where something like NIV is trying to do the same thing. It's a big committee of scholars that have put this together, but they're uh, also like, okay, what does this word really mean in our culture as well? And trying to find a middle Connotation, spot yeah. there, something like the New Living Translation, that's a paraphrase yeah. where it's not really got all of the nuance in it. So there's, it's good to be aware of some things as being a translation, some things as being a, uh, a, a paraphrase. Uh, so just do your research on your translations and you'll find that there's different moments that you find beauty in every, other various other things uh some people find the message super helpful right yeah which is just one guy it's not a committee it's you know eugene peterson basically himself right. yeah you know off the top of his head yeah. yeah uh trying to bring the scripture and bring prose to uh 
you know, into our culture and does mm-hmm. that in a very yeah. beautiful way. And that can be super yeah. helpful, but you wouldn't go to it for a scholarly look. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, yeah, I think the, the one thing I might throw in there is I think, I think there's value in, I think every translation is an attempt at communicating something. Right. And, and yeah. And yeah. I think you're a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Some of them are paraphrases. And some of them are, this is a word-for-word word thing, right? And so yeah. you have Translations. Matt, Jake, hit. You're yep. kind of like, hmm, word-for-word, word, that doesn't really make sense. What is it trying to say? It's trying to say that Matt hit Jake. Yeah. Or you could say, Matt and Jake got in a fight. Yep. And those are like three different ways of saying like the same, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. I guess I just wanted to say, whatever version it is that you use, I think it's good. And I think it's helpful to look at different ones. And I think... Uh, I think they all kind of provide a vehicle to kind of, yeah. you know, interact with God and hear what it is. What is he saying? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, we don't want to spend too much too long on this, but they all also have biases too. Right. Yeah. That's so if true. you look yeah. at the ESV, it definitely has a bias towards reformed theology towards, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a Calvinist perspective, yeah. whereas an Arminian would have a harder time reading it. Some of the um, translations. So yeah. I'm, I, you know, in terms of that Calvinist Arminian thing, this is the first time I've read something, a translation that is really heavily biased towards Calvinism. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm fully aware of it as I'm reading it compared to say the NIV, which is maybe a little bit more balanced. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you guys have more questions about translations, feel free to throw them in the chat. Linda's saying on Bible hub, you can compare them all. So yeah, that's it's helpful. a great resource. Yeah. yeah. It's a website. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's an easy, in, yep. inexpensive. You can reference it, Greek right? in there yeah, as well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so let's hit end time stuff. And I think we knew that this okay. was going to happen. Which yeah, is we, good, which is awesome. No, but let's good. use yeah. uh, Evan Shorefrost's question. Let's jump off his question. And then there's a couple of others that I'll interact with. So why don't I tie them all together sure. and then we'll yeah. see where our answers go and then I'll kind of direct that. Yeah. So Evan says that Brooke wants to know your interpretation of what will happen at the end times and will it happen in my lifetime? And I've got two other questions here, mm-hmm. which is just Linda had sent yeah. a question previous saying, I'd love to discuss the end times. Um, how does like prophetic words of people, you kind of like, when talking about the end times, you have certain people that are, uh, that place themselves in kind of like a prophetic yep. role and they say, okay, well, this is going to happen, right? She mentioned some names like Jonathan Kahn. Um, there's an additional question here of like with so much information on the net, is there a site? Is there advice? How do we separate what's real from what's not? Hmm. How do we know? Yeah. Um, and then also kind of, Linda also adds, and I know this is a lot of questions, but we'll kind of, we'll tie them all together and we'll yeah. see what comes out. Put them all here. Um, yeah. Do you think there'll be a revival before Jesus comes back? Um, yeah. How does how does all this tie together? How would you answer that? And let me just for those of you who maybe don't have so much of a church background, let me just put in here mm-hmm. talking like there's pieces of scripture that are prophetic, right? Or talk about, hey, this is gonna happen in the future. So when we're talking about like end times, what this question is asking is like, okay, well, what does the Bible say is actually gonna happen? And those people that claim to be prophets and they're like, you can tell by the war here that this is a reflection of this passage. How does all that yeah, so what's gonna happen? Maybe mm-hmm. let's go there and we can kind of see what right. comes out. Sure. Yeah. I think the first uh, the first thing I'd say to all of those questions is to uh, read really broadly about right. it. Um, I grew up in uh, a space where I just sort of assumed a dispensational view. A dispensational view is this the, the idea that sort of uh, the way history flows, it flows according to the way God said it, and there's different eras in which things happen and and the question is about the end times is are we about to enter the end times era when you would maybe see all the literal uh, unfolding of some of the images and signs in the book of revelation and i just sort of assumed theologically as a kid growing up in that atmosphere that that was the way it was that was the way to interpret the end times Uh, when i went to school um, i found out that there were lots of other ways to interpret those scriptures 
And so the first thing I would just say is it's really wise to uh, broaden your thinking about all of that and be suspect of anything that is uh, really close culturally to you or really close culturally even to your geography, right? So they'll say something like that really classic view of, you know, the way it's going to unfold with the rapture and all this stuff in a linear sort of way. That's a very, very North American theological uh, stream. If you would talk to somebody in Europe who would be equally passionate, a believer and a strong reader and theologian, somebody in the UK, uh, someone in Germany, they would think that we're crazy for having such a high... Holding this particular view, right? Yeah, having such a high emphasis on it, right? So any view that is really Mm. culturally anchored in our time and space and is not necessarily anchored to the scriptures right it sounds like almost like you're saying like be willing to ask questions don't just believe something because you grew up in it yeah right yeah, but like yeah. you definitely grew up in a certain way and i, I grew up the same way holding yeah. to this what the term used yeah. was dispensational yeah understanding mm. yeah so so i think that's the first thing is is uh read broadly like one of the most important books i read i think and i think that's another question that came up was a book called contemporary options in eschatology which is basically there's four main views of the millennium and this is all getting like crazy talk. I don't want to spend too much time and all that, but <laughs> uh, four main views on the millennium and there are, uh, this book had like a scholar who believed each one of them put out their position and then had all the other three scholars trash it. And then the next person put out their view and had, and the had them come back right? cool. trash it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that it's it was just, a really yeah, unbiased awesome. look at That's all awesome, of yeah. the views. It was hmm. super, super helpful. Yeah. Um, Cool. So that so this is me not having and not really answering the question. Yeah. Um, do I think it will happen in your lifetime, Brooke? And I think the way to think about that is that um, we should always live as though it will happen in our lifetime. That's good. Uh, Paul yeah. and Timothy lived as though it was going to happen in their lifetime. Yeah. Uh, the early church fathers lived as though it was going to happen in their lifetime. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. You're saying like the practical part of it is. We should live like whatever yeah. will happen will happen. We should yeah. live like Behold, that. Expectation. I am coming quickly. And no one knows the date or, <laughs> or time, the right? Hour, like those kinds of right? things. We should live as Christians with a sense of urgency. Mm. And yeah. I was like, in, in Linda's, Marner's question, is, as Matt brought it up, it was like, uh, we should be... Uh, you know, praying for revival or is revival coming before the end times comes? I don't know when the end times come. No one knows the day or the hour, but I should be praying for revival and I should be telling all my friends about Jesus because we, because we don't know. Yeah, for sure. The not knowing provides a sense of urgency. The mm-hmm. time could be up. Yeah. In right? an hour. Yeah. <laughs> In an hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So uh, we kind of should live as though it's happening tomorrow Yeah. and build uh, as though uh, for the future. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Do you have any thoughts? How do you interact with yeah. Yeah, eschatology? Which eschatology just means the the end times or study of the end yeah, times. Yeah, study of the end times. Millennium. You heard that word yeah. thrown around, which is just in in Revelation. You have a description of a thousand year period. That's like one of the kind of cornerstone pieces that kind of gets talked yeah. about when people talk about the end times, right? So, millennium, yeah. just defining terms. But yeah, so you'll you'll have it a, a, a variety of different interpretations, like Aaron's been alluding to. I don't I don't actually have a formed opinion of landing in any specific camp, but I tend to lean more towards just erring on the side of of a sense of urgency. Like even in a yeah. lot of these different theories of eschatology, one of the biggest conversations is whether Christians will be on the earth or present in the same way during tribulations. Because if you read yeah. the Book of Revelation, there's a whole bunch of 
horrifying things that happen towards the end of end times. And yep. the conversation is, are we there for that? Are we taken before that or after or somehow both? Or did it already happen? Did it already happen? <laughs> and I, right. I, I think there's, there's something in me that just recognizes that, um, like there's a verse that I was just reading in Timothy that says that uh, anyone, I, I can't quote it directly, but it's something to the effect that anyone who believes will be persecuted for it. And there's actually, there is a, a place of, uh, of um, opposition that you meet when you live very boldly for the gospel or when right. you proclaim to believe that Jesus is the only way. Um, and, I, and I just kind of recognize, so in the same way that I hold things loosely and just live as if Jesus is coming soon, I also recognize that I, I want to, you know, I, I may face trials and tribulations for yep. believing what I believe, and I want to live in a way where I'm sort of recognizing that. If I'm taken before yeah. the rapture, all these different conversations, like I'm, I'm not really sure, yeah. but I, but I want to yeah. recognize that my faith may cost me in big ways. And there's people on the planet today whose right. faith is costing them in huge ways. I mean, right. if you guys have read about yeah. what ISIS does to Christians in the Middle East, like not that long ago and still happening today, right. yeah. or China um, or any, it, 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 it comes at extremely yeah. high cost. So I just, I recognize that's a part of the conversation for believing yeah. what I believe. If I'm taken before there's some before the events in Revelation happen, if they are haven't already, I mean, great. If I suffer through sure. them, at least I've been preparing with that mentality. I think, yeah, I think you know? that's a, I think that's a really good point. There's some yeah. things. So, and I mean, maybe you're watching this and you don't have a lot of like informed theological background, and you're like, I don't even know what these words mean or what this yeah. conversation is yeah. about. Or you're like, this is like getting into the weeds. What what are yeah. we talking about? Yeah, I, I think there's I think that's a really good point that there's like there's certain things that it's like, and there's a practical question of like, okay, well, what does this mean now for me? Yeah, right. And like, regardless of what will happen or what will come in the future how do i live now which i think is what kind of what you're touching on too yeah there right is like well what do I take I, you know i have to recognize that there will be or could be opposition that there probably will be and maybe i'll just put my cards on the table just for end time stuff and, and this is more just my approach and so it's not about details right but it's kind of like just my general approach is i think we make a lot of statements about end time stuff that I'm just suspicious of, that I don't think that we can really make hard statements. You know, yeah. someone points to a scripture, and this ties into Linda's question about, you know, people who claim to be prophetic, right? And they say, ah, this will happen. Or I, I guess I see a lot of things, and I guess I see a lot of things, and I just, someone will point to a verse, and they'll say, ha, ah, this means that this war is prophesied. And I guess, I, I just kind of look at that, and I'm like, we don't, I don't think we have enough information. Right. Like, I, I actually remain fairly agnostic about a lot of like the end time stuff. I actually think that we don't really have enough information to make a lot of the claims that we would normally make. And I think we don't definitely don't have enough information to say yeah. this is for sure. Um, every other view opposed to this is, is, is wrong um, or has no validity or has nothing. So I guess that's me kind of just citing my agnosticism. Don't hear that as yeah. a metaphysical position. Hear that as reference to, I think there's a lot that we just can't, yeah know for sure and i could outline details but that's going to mm -hmm. take a lot longer probably than we want to spend so yeah yeah if you're asking my position i think there's a lot that we don't know i think the really important piece is yeah yeah how does that affect how i live now yeah and that's probably the area where i spend the most time thinking about yeah. it yeah. for sure uh, I, I yeah I'm the, I'm the same um i think there's a couple of little things i say one uh, when you're looking at the book of Revelation, and, and those of you that have heard these talks have heard me say this a million times, and I apologize for the repetition, but, uh, you know, the beginning of the book of Revelation says this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, right? It's the book wasn't written with the intent to be a group of revelations about historical events. So when you're reading the book of Revelation, the first thing you're looking for is not where it fits in history, the first thing you're reading about is who is Jesus in this thing, hmm. right? Because you, you can see a lot of the beauty and the character of Jesus in the book of Revelation. 
Um, and, uh, and, and understanding that it's written um, to help people understand Jesus and get to know him. And then you realize that all of the language and all of the symbolism in it is um, written to Jewish readers in and around the time of Christ, a little bit after, obviously, um, in, in, so that they can understand. So the interpretive key for the book of Revelation isn't uh, world events in 2000. Right. The interpretive key for the book of Revelation is the Hebrew scriptures. Um, so if you want to understand Jesus through the book of Revelation, you need to look at those symbols, the dragon, the images, Babylon, all of that kind of stuff, and say, what did that mean to an Old Testament reader? Yeah. And that will point you to what it's supposed to mean for right. you. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. I think that's, yeah, I think that's helpful. So let's, um, I'm, I'm just going to say, first of all, I think that we have way, no, like, please keep asking questions. Yeah. I'm just saying, realize that even as you ask that you may not get to answer them all. I'm also noticing some people are reposting questions. Part of, when you see me typing, it's not because I'm like, you know, chatting to somebody else on Facebook. That's not what's happening. I'm recording all the questions. So all the questions that have come up, don't worry about having to repost it or anything. We're we're tracking. We got this. And, so. and if we get have a really high degree of engagement on this and we just feel like we haven't scratched the surface of all these questions, then, yeah. then we could do another week of it too. So that's yeah. on the table. Yeah. 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 And I'll also just put out there each of these questions. I mean, especially you talk about end times. It's like, well, we could do a year long study on that. And, be, and you know what I mean? And scratch. So I, I think that there's also, we're not going to be able to go super deep yeah. into yeah. anything, but I mean, yeah. maybe this informs what we teach on, right? And maybe yeah, this sure. informs where we go from here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to hit one thing in, in yeah. Linda's question still that I think is really important because she was asking about sort of modern day prophets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, people like, say, Jonathan Kahn or uh, other people who are looking at world events now and trying to interpret uh, them through the lens of the book of revelation or, or whatever it is. And so somebody like Jonathan Kahn, for example, uh, uh, is a guy who sort of took a backwards look at September 11th, uh, Mm. and you know, the fall of the twin towers and kind of did a, um, uh, an almost a reinterpretation of those events saying that these were all things that were seen in the book of Isaiah. And from this, we can extrapolate uh, the rest of what's going to happen in American history. Hmm. And so there's a couple of things to be suspect of there. One, that um, I don't think the book of Revelation is speaking to its God's covenant with the nation of America, <laughs> right? Mm, right? I just, I think we should be suspect of that, of anybody who's sort of looking at the scriptures and the world through a nationalistic framework. So, so mm. that's a reason to be a little bit suspect of that. And then the other thing that you do is when you have people who are prophets or claiming to be prophets is you look to see if the things they prophesy <laughs> take place. Right. And, yeah. and, and so just doing some research on Jonathan Kahn, his next book called the Shemitah, um, he prophesied this major stock market crash, I think in 2014, uh, as a result of some of the things that he was seeing with clay seals. I don't understand it well enough. I haven't read it all, so apologies to you, Linda. Um, but it, it just didn't happen, right? He put his uh, cards on the table and said, hey, this prophecy is what I see. This, 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 this is going to come is what about, it means, yeah. and this is going to come back. Right. And he's got a pretty long string of prophecies that didn't happen. Right. And still new books coming out. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> 
I, I think I think his credibility as a prophet is diminished. Yeah. Right. By Old Testament standards, he'd probably be taken outside the camp and stoned as a false prophet. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh right. To, to be to be really really frank. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. So I think we really should be wary of yeah of voices that really claim that high level of prophetic knowledge. And that's not to say that I don't believe in the prophetic office. I think there are people who actually do have a prophetic gift and have words to speak to the church, but anything that's claiming that a weight that's similar in some ways to the weight of the scriptures is, is something we should be really, really suspect. I think what I'm hearing there too is uh, I'm hearing, don't believe everything that you read. Don't believe everything here. Just because someone claims something doesn't mean that that's what they actually are. It doesn't, you know, someone can say I have goodwill. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have goodwill. I think there's a wise as serpents, innocent as doves thing. That's a biblical reference. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there's kind of like ask questions and and research. Like how do you know who's false and who isn't? I yeah. don't know. Uh, like at the end of the day, compare it to scripture, right? Yeah, the scripture is your ask. guide, right? Just back to the word every time, every time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was another part of Linda's question I was going to tack on as well. Is there a resource out there that you can trust to kind of cut through the noise? And I, I, I personally don't have one to point you to other than the word and, and yeah. the Holy Spirit. I mean, I think for me, I, I, I think there's actually a place where it's, it's, it's okay and good to be listening to. I mean, I don't know anything about Jonathan Kahn, but like people that are paying paying attention to the signs of the times and trying trying to identify man that, that there's something shifting here that I'm seeing reflected in scripture and you know like using that as some kind of a wake up call and like pushing us to an urgency and a living for the yeah. gospel like there's there's yeah. something in that I don't th- I don't want to you know, I don't think anybody is, but I don't, sure. I don't want to like write off, you know, listening right, to YouTube prophets yeah, or something. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any completely reliable or trustable source that I would look to aside from coming back to the word and, and mm-hmm. holding things loosely, especially with kind of major claims or with certain biases right. involved and yeah. trusting the Holy Spirit to be yeah. our only teacher, right? The Bible says there's only yeah. one teacher. Um, yeah. And I think, you, I think know. if you look even at Jonathan Kahn, right, the essence of his message is America needs to repent because of its sin right uh and turn to jesus i think we can all say that we can give that one a big thumbs yeah, up yeah. we can say like yes the, the core that, that yeah. sort of heart of the message piece like i think we can we can say that's clearly seen in scriptures people need to repent and turn their hearts towards god yeah. so yeah, we can right. sort of we can own, echo that or support we, that yeah exactly. get on page with that yeah, yeah that's a really yeah, good, sure. yeah yeah that's um really good to point. say specifically that that's just for america well i think canada could claim that one too as could the uk and every nation on the planet yeah right, <laughs> right? so yeah i think it's uh, yeah and i guess I, I think maybe let's close that up and i and i, I guess we'll just kind of close that section on eschatology just by saying yeah like, let's talk about these things, yeah. right? And I think this almost needs to be taken probably on like a case-by-case basis. You're like, Jonathan Kahn, who is he? Do I trust him? What's going on, right? I think ask, I mean, ask each other and see what each other can do, right? And pray yep. together and try and think through that. But I mean, ask ask us as well. And, you know, I might not be able to really help on the spot, but we can probably look into resources or find. I think that's part of what the leadership yep. team is about, right? Is leadership or, yep. you know, helping to yeah, discover that. Sure. But like, that, I think that's why yep. we exist as a community yep. to ask these questions, to go deeper, yep. to kind of find out, oh, okay, well, you know, do I trust? Do I not? Like, I mean, there's an infinite, you know, amount of questions. Yeah. I mean, we, we all kind of woke up one day and we were like, okay, what is, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And the yeah. rest of it is like, let's figure it out Yeah, yeah. and let's use each yeah, other absolutely. and bounce ideas off each other and pray together yeah. and dig into it and see, 
yeah. what can happen. Absolutely. So, so huge thanks to uh, to Linda for asking that question and for Brooke as well. Really yeah, appreciate. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah sure. And again, more conversation if you wanted to have a call or a chat or whatever. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Provide some resources. Something uh, like something a little bit scholarly, which would be a really tough slug in like contemporary options and eschatology or whatever. Right. Would be a huge value, I think. Yeah. So, okay. So, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's close that one for now. Yeah. I'm going to jump to a question from my friend Scotty T. That's, okay. his, that's his rapper name. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, he says, he says, why does the church not pay taxes, but then okay. takes aid money from the government? Okay. Right. So okay. I'm okay. maybe you would probably be Jake? in the best position. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jake. What do you know? uh, yeah. Pass. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So one, I don't think the church takes aid money from the government that I'm aware of. Although there are government programs that the church, right. or you can speak can, to our church specifically. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We don't say a church like ours. Um, like there would be government programs that would be available. Like say uh, a grant for hiring summer students. That it'd be something like our church would be happy to apply for that um, and to have a summer student who could, say, work for OBV and, and help do an internship and things like that. So mm. uh, participating in government programs like that, uh, I think, are valid for a church as long as we meet the qualifications. And, and I think programs like that, that are really more about the individual. Yeah. Right? Like it's about the student. Yeah. Or it's, like it's yeah. not necessarily about the church benefiting. It's about the student benefiting yep. from the experience. Yeah. Um, and feel free to throw in the chat if, you, if you're aware of a specific aid program that you're, that you're concerned about for sure yeah. um but uh, church the you know to the question of churches not paying taxes it's ultimately that the government still recognizes that the churches provide a valuable service yeah right that uh, churches uh, do a lot of uh work in the community that bring hope and bring life uh that uh, serve that care for people that uh, you know, uh, help with people in poverty, all kinds of different things. Uh, so if you look at the charitable objects by which a church is registered as a charitable organization within, uh, the, uh, whatever framework it is, either nationally or our church OBV is registered with the provincial government. We have a certain number of, uh, objects that we meet uh, the advancement of religion, um, the teaching of the gospel, um, caring for the poor. Those right. are sort of things that the government has constituted or we have constituted ourselves to do according to the government's laws. Uh, they have recognized our value in doing that. We meet their requirements in terms of financial transparency and accountability, uh, filing our taxes with them, our, all of that kind of stuff. Right. So we follow all of those government rules because the government sees a value in what the church does. Right. I think I think that's a good yeah. point. You're kind of saying, okay, you're kind of drawing the question out and you're saying, okay, well why does the government uh, why does the government give charitable status to organizations? Yeah. And the answer there is kind of well they they encourage uh, encourage organizations that they think do good things. Yeah. And they, they think that's a benefit to society. And so is and if they see the church as being a benefit to society, yeah. it's kind of like it falls under that umbrella of they want to encourage. Yeah. Yep. That, yeah. To my knowledge, isn't, there's no like there's no line between you're a church or a nonprofit. It's that you're a nonprofit. If, yeah, that's if right. I'm, if I'm understanding it correctly, so if you, yeah, like you just described, yeah, I, under I the think... nonprofit act, there would be organizations like the Lanark County Food Bank or a charity yeah, that's running, uh, raising funds for cancer research or any yeah. number of things that the government sees are a benefit to society, uh, can be registered as a nonprofit organization. Right. Follow those yeah. rules right, right. and receive that benefit. So the of question. Being, the question kind of morphs into or probably hinges on does the church actually do something good or do something beneficial for yeah. uh, for society right. yeah. and, and that's maybe a different question than right 
because yeah, yeah, and and that's probably more where it hinges. I imagine. Right? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of it turns into that question of yeah. Okay, well, is what the church is there any value in what the church does, or is there any right. good thing in yeah. kind of what it does? Because if it is doing something good, then it makes sense for the government to want it to happen and to support it and give it charitable yep. status. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. it if you see it as only destructive and you know yep. only doing bad things and only being a detriment to the society, then you might ask the question of like, yeah. I don't see the connection. Why would you encourage something that's bad? Yeah, 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 for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, but maybe let's leave that yeah. question to this side. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. So I'm going to introduce a question, and then we're going to tie into Michelle's question that showed up sure. above. And so the question is, what do you think the greatest needs are currently yep. in uh, in Carlton Place, in Almont, in, in Lanark County, in the area yeah. in which we find ourselves? What do you think the greatest needs are? Um, Michelle's question after that is going to be, are there any plans for outreach to the surrounding community kind of in 2021, practical ways that we can be the hands and feet. But I guess I wanted to start that in an, at an ideological level. What do we think the greatest needs are? And then what are mm-hmm. kind of, what are we thinking plan-wise moving forward? Yeah. So whoever, maybe we'll jump to you, Jake. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm happy to tack the ideological one first, like just what are the greatest needs around us? And yeah. um, I think there's always very practical needs around us, although I don't think that's necessarily the greatest need because, you know, um, we even as like young adults have been looking for opportunities to, to give back and volunteer and, and, and we, we find them. There is, there is people that need help. There is people that need food or, um, you know, care given kind of thing. Yep. Um, a, a group of the girls and the young adults uh, a few weeks ago just got together a bunch of care packages for seniors homes around Christmas because like a lot of them don't have people visiting them or family and stuff. So there's, there's a practical need is that people need connection. Um, but maybe that's deeper as well. Like I think, I think the greatest need honestly is, is, um, relational, it's community, it's family, and it's and it's a spiritual need. To be honest, I think it's easier to find support if you can't feed your family in Carlton Place than it is to find um, help because you uh, are super lonely. You're or... super lonely. Yeah, honestly, I, I think yeah. that's probably the greatest need is is connection, community, uh, mm-hmm. the love of Jesus, a, a sense that you, people matter, a sense that life yeah. matters. Um, hope, yeah, right. Yeah. Hope, like, yeah, honestly, I think it's a little more intangible. You know, I, I don't know that it's actually um, as, as practical, although those are very real, although there are those yeah. needs are around us. Yeah, yeah, huh. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think the, um, yeah, so there are so many needs. I mean, if you want to just hit things really, really practically, uh, Carlton Place is hitting a size and stage in terms of its growth where I think we're close to having the critical mass where we will have a more obvious homelessness problem. Um, where, right. you know, when we were a really small community, uh, ultimately it, it didn't yeah. have as much gravity so that people who were wrestling with homelessness uh, ultimately ended up in one of the shelters in the big bigger cities uh, we don't really have a strong uh, shelter for homeless people in Carl place yeah. so i see mm-hmm. that as a really a tangible practical need because Carl place is just growing to the point where it's having enough mass that that i think there's a need for that um and we certainly have some needs for um connecting with uh, immigrant families and communities that are in Carlton Place. We're seeing a little more diversity in town, and I think the churches need to be aware of how we can support and connect with uh, new immigrants coming into Canada and different things like that. So there's right. some real clear practical needs and lots of thinking for us to do on on how to yeah. how to help meet those needs. But I think the primary need, as Jake said, is the gospel, right? Yeah. Right? Like, like say, if you look at uh, a problem with um, addiction, 
Um, so we absolutely want to address that directly and be able to help support people, get them into something like Teen Challenge or get them into recovery programs and things like that. But um, the root causes of addiction beyond some people who might have a genetic predisposition to right. to that is, you know, broken families and broken relationships and, and pain. And and that's where the gospel is is desperately needed. The reason we have so much problems with that is that people don't have an authentic, rich relationship with Jesus who can help heal their hearts. And yeah. mm-hmm. so our primary strategy is to deal with that root cause of yeah. Jesus-lessness in our culture. Yeah. So here, I'll jump in on this question too. Um, yeah. And maybe I'll, well, yeah. Okay. Uh, my brain is thinking about a bunch of things and I can only speak about one of them at a time, right? That's the problem. <laughs> so I, I stutter, but, but, but anyways, uh, yes. So, I mean, yeah, when I think about greatest needs, I think about isolation being like, yeah. you know, like especially powerful now. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've had a question come in about that too, yeah. but like isolation about, um, loneliness. And I mean, those are, you know what I mean? They're up here, but they take very real, you know, they, they affect us mm-hmm. in very real, like mental health mm-hmm. and physical health ways. It's like, you know what I mean? Like someone who's, yeah, anxious and scared and, and feels like they don't have any worth yep. or value. So like, I think I would say isolation, loneliness, hope, those feel like the biggest things. I mean, they're the biggest things I think that I've wrestled with and I'm kind of mm-hmm. just putting that on everybody else around me. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think I see those. And I think, I, I think there's a really good point too, but like when I think about, okay, what is the gospel, right? What is the good news? I think it, like it is the message that you matter. Yep. It is the message that like, hey, we're in this together. Like, I'm not better than you. We're the same. Yeah. And so let's, you know, it's the message of like, hey, let's mm-hmm. figure this out together in, yeah. in community. Yeah. Let's, let's interact. It's a message of like, hey, there is beauty in the world. Let's explore that. Let's mm-hmm. see that. Let's lean into that. Let's dig into that. Right. And like, that's what the, that's yeah, what the gospel the core is. And of it, it finds it. Yeah. It finds like all of those things, all the beauty, the goodness, the hope, the love, all of that finds its it's um it's connection point in the person of jesus and so that's that's the connection yeah and our motivation comes out of an understanding that uh, people are made in the image of god right yeah yeah yeah. so all these things have roots that kind of like root yeah root themselves but then you see all of these attributes in god because that's who god is and so like and i mean i appreciate what you're saying here too of like there's there's the symptoms and then there's kind of like, and we can, we can treat the symptoms and not that that's bad. Right. No, it's, um, a, it's, it's really important too, right? Cause if you, uh, core. if you, um, like you can't share the gospel with somebody who's hungry. <laughs> yeah. You should catch Linda's right. comment right here. She's okay. quoting James two sixteen. If one of you tells him go in peace, right. stay warm. Right. Exactly. But doesn't actually care yeah. for his practical Yeah, exactly. Needs. Right. You can't, right. Yeah. you can't exactly. be sitting there eating, eating a sub yeah. with yeah. somebody who is homeless and, yeah you're eating your sub and telling them the about gospel. Jesus. I think that's the yeah. fear that a lot of people have about the church is that, yeah. is that we're just totally insensitive and not, yeah. not actually passionate about meeting people's real needs. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's something for us to be, you know, totally aware of. Right. And I think we see that in our community. We haven't always had a very programmatic approach to doing that right. kind of yeah. thing as a church. Moving to the practical side of the question. Of, yeah. 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 We haven't, yeah. but we've, we've, we've often bent our time and resources on supporting organic initiatives, right? Um, primarily so that when somebody says, oh man, I've got a friend who needs their house painted, they've got to get out and blah, blah, blah. You know, a team of OVV people shows up and paints their house. 
um, or helps them move or uh, provides food or we find out that a family in the community is uh, um, going through medical treatment and we activate the meal train so that they're supported and whether they're part of the OVB community or not. Um, So we really need the the church community to be really responsive to all of those organic things and to let us know when you see needs out there that you think you can really meet. Then we can sort of uh, rally the troops to begin to, to do things. We have a bunch of different things going on. Like I I would say a very small, um, relationship growing with you know safe families uh there's things that we do in terms of compassion canada um there's initiatives there's benevolence that we do that you know nobody even hears of like that just people have needs in the community and the church just helps there's connections with the food bank yeah 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 for sure the food bank so there's lots of things that we do and there's way way more that we can do we want to just keep that balance right we want to make sure that we are uh, choosing things that uh, also support our primary mission of sharing the gospel. If you look at um, everything that's going on in society, like Jake said, that there it's easy to easier to find food for somebody who's hungry than it is to find care for somebody who's lonely, right? So yeah. we really want to kind of balance that out. There's a hundred organizations that are feeding the poor. There's right. only one organization that's sharing the Jesus story, and that's the church. Yeah. So we just can't lose sight of that yeah. being our mission, right? right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think, yeah, I think I would just tack on there. I think, oh, sorry, guys. I mean, I think the thing that we aim at as the church, right, is we, we, want, we want health. We want restoration. Yeah. We want goodness and peace and love and hope and joy to kind of like flow and fill everybody. Right. And so there's this like mm-hmm. believing that mm-hmm. that has like a spiritual root or yep. that there's a message or a story that needs to be told that to take root in someone's heart where that can actually become a fountain of life that flows out from there. Yeah. Yep. Right. There's like, there's, there's kind of believing that. And then, yeah. And then there's all these other things. Yeah. So I guess, well, here, let me say, um, and I think like our attempt at groups too, right? Our, our groups are trying to create spaces of connection and yep. spaces of, yeah. you know, how can we be together? How can we pray together? How can we invite people in? And that's for people who follow Jesus and it's for people who don't follow Jesus together, right? And so that's that's not the answer, but it's part of the answer. And then yep. from there, it's, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's more that we could do. And so I, there's organic stuff happening. And I think it's also like, tell us if, if you have ideas. So I'm speaking to the camera, I guess. If you have ideas, if you have thoughts, like, please share with us, share with us. I mean, I think the yeah. heart of the church yeah. is, yeah. How do we, how do we bless the town, yeah. the community in which we live? How do we do that? And so let's talk about how to do that. Well, I think that we're doing some, I think we can do more. So I let's... think, I think one of the things too, we wrestle with like how to live it out publicly. Like you'll often see churches that are sort of posting on their social media page of all the things that they've done, all the people that they've fed and all the you know, and we just don't do that. Like, I just don't like it. Right. I the advertising bit. I, yeah. I don't like us tooting our own horn. I right. don't like us. Yeah. Our, our right, you know, sometimes our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing. There's so much more going on in the community than anybody knows. I get to see a lot of it being in the center of it. Yeah. Right. But I'm not putting that stuff on social media because I don't think it's right to do so. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's, uh, yeah. Any other yeah. thoughts there guys? Do, do no, that's great. I was actually just going to tack on one thing. When you mentioned that one organization is preaching the gospel, I just wanted to caveat that I think you're referring to the whole church, the capital C church. Oh yeah. The cap- not just not, OVB. Not just OVB. Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make sure that was yeah. clear. Make sure yeah. that's clear. Yeah. 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 No, that's, yeah. that's helpful. Yeah. 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 For yeah. sure. No, we, yeah, we're definitely in partnership with all the other churches in our region for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah. Cool. So let's move to a question from Sophia came in. She said, I think it was for each of us. What is the, what has been the hardest part about being a Christian or so in your Christian walk? What have you found the most difficult? Mm. So far in your young life, Jake. Uh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Shots fired. Less and less young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind has definitely been the pain of misperception, like intending to love my neighbor. Like I, I like I don't have any, I don't remember any peers in high school that were um, uh, like sincerely devoted to to uh, to Christ, like that were Christians. You know, some came from that background or were descent to some right. kind of a belief. But I didn't have peers in high school that I was journeying. Uh, in, in faith with. And then I kind of experienced this dramatic sort of conversion where it became real to me and I was serious about it. And I had all these friend groups from the past that, that saw this kind of change and now I'm not participating in the same things. I'm not hanging out with them mm. the same way. Right. I found it really painful for a long time to love people, but hang out with them less because I, I just didn't want to participate or didn't want to support and some things going on. And um, just that, that, separation mm. that I experienced yeah. from my former communities. I mean, guys that I grew up with since I was like seven years old, right, you know right. what I mean? And just starting to feel that like, I still love them and I, I don't like, I don't have, I have a clean conscience. I don't feel like I'm, you know, not uh, loving them by, by not hanging out with them in the same way or something. But that's been the most painful part to me, honestly, is mm. wanting to love people, but it can be perceived as, as like, uh, as not that, or, yeah. or, you know, why isn't Jay hanging around as much anymore? And, or is he judging us? You know, some of those, that, that's been the greatest struggle for me, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do I, and, and even beyond just my past friendships, just outwardly to the world, like, you know, I don't want to just come off as a weird religious guy. Like I want, you know, I, you know, I, I want people to see Jesus, their real creator, the real God that knit them together in their mother's womb and that wants a living relationship with them, you know? And I don't know, just that tension of seeming like the weirdo, you know, or mm -hmm. seeming, you know, and, and how do I show people that this thing's real and we're not all just crazy weirdos, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's been the hardest, uh, the hardest point of tension huh. for me. Yeah. 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 yeah that's for a good sure. point. Yeah. I think maybe I'll jump in. I had another thought and then I lost it, but then you touched on something that made me think of them. So I'll jump in here yeah. and I'll say, um, I think one of, I think along that same line, I think one of the hardest things for me has been, uh, what, yeah, what does it mean to love? Which I mean, I'm still trying to figure that out, but what does it mean to love Carlton Place, right? What does it mean to love the friends that I grew up going to high school with? What does it mean to love the people around me? And I think that my understanding of that has changed a lot. And I grew up and it was a very like separation focused thing. It was like, keep yourself pure, right? And and don't hang out with people. You know, you you almost in the same way, like you are what you eat. Like you kind of like, you know, the people you surround yourself matters and it yeah. changes you and you begin to take on their values. And, but understand like trying to figure out that balance of like what does that like how do i but like i mean the opposite is true and i've come to this place where i'm like if i don't hang out with anybody who doesn't know who jesus is like am i really loving people outside of the church like how can you love someone if you don't spend time with them or you don't interact with them like yeah. how does that even happen yeah so i think that's been one of the most difficult yeah things to try and balance in my life has been this because in high school i was very much like okay well i'm gonna cut myself off right i'm gonna remain pure i'm gonna you know, and, but like to the extent where I, I didn't really extend any love or I didn't really extend any warmth. I didn't really interact with people. And I mean, there was all kinds of other things, right? And going on like things like uh, self-confidence issues, stuff like that, right? Sure. All kinds of yeah. things I could tell you. Let me tell you a story about back in the day, right? But um, yeah, I think that would be one of yeah. the major difficulties I think has been figuring out, yeah, how do you love people? And what does that mean? Like interacting versus not interacting. Yeah. And how yeah. does that work? I think that's been one of the most difficult things I've been trying to yeah. figure out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's you have cool. any? What do you? Yeah, what do you think? I, I think. Uh, I think for me, um, 
it's, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about the calling, right? I think it's seeing or having, having this calling and seeing this massive, massive need in the world and feeling so very, very small, mm. right? Like there, mm. like there is just not, I mean, it's just, it's, it's humbling. And I know it's not, I mean, there's, there's sin and brokenness in it where that I would see it's all my job. Like it's obviously preposterous. It's ridiculous. But, uh, feeling that weight of need and that expectations and like looking out, like, let's just look at the windows of your house here right. and, and yeah. saying like, man, all of those windows have people in them who are sitting there in some, in their pajamas who feeling some pain and don't know that Jesus loves them. Right. And how do, how could we ever surmount it? Yeah. How could we, how could we do it? How could we do it? So yeah. I, I think some of those people might be watching. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I hope so. Right. And so hi. <laughs> I think, um, I think there's, there's always brokenness in it, right? There's, there could be an ambition in it. There could be, um, competition in it, some unhealthy things in, right. in my the own pro- heart yeah. to, to, to balance out. But there's also just this holy smokes, like how we got how, we got to take this seriously. How are we going to yeah. do this? Yeah, for sure. That's, right. And, yeah, and I so I just like, always just the size of the need, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so there I is, just there is darkness. Like, how do we push that back? Yeah, I understand in some ways what Paul said when he was, you know, sick with concern for all the churches. Right. Right. Right, right. There's a there's a mm. weight to this thing that mm. that I've there's never a, figured yeah, out how really to carry point. well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. That's a really good point. Uh, let's, hmm. nope, I lost it. I had my original thought. It's gone, which means I wasn't supposed to remember it. I think that's what that means, right? Okay, so here. Let's talk I'm, about Calvinism. Oh, <laughs> seriously? No, because you, you weren't supposed oh, to remember it. Yeah, yeah, I was predestined. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah, has been planned. Sorry. sorry, guys. Just kidding. Um, if you do have a reformed background, I'm actually quite uh, partial that. to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, we'll talk more about that. Ask the question if you want the if you want the question answered. Yeah. But we're gonna jump to, and I'm excited to ask this one. What does your devotional life look like? Okay. Um. And David Aiken sent in a question before. He said, so here I'll read out his his small paragraph. He said, can you show us what it looks like when you pray in your personal time? He said, you know, imagine there's a webcam, reenact <laughs> it live for us. There no is no explanations webcam. or injections. Pretend we're not there. Um. Just let us get a glimpse of your conversation with God, right? And he's saying the reason for his question is Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He thinks that sometimes people, what people need is an example from someone yep. uh, whom they admire spiritually. Mm, so yep. give them something to aspire to, give them something to emulate. So I don't know how you guys want, I think we, we talked about this beforehand. I don't think we want to do the five minutes five of, of where you guys praying. watch us. So I'm sorry, <laughs> David, we're going to kind of shift your question a little bit to kind but of, but it's a great yeah, question. It yeah. is a great question. Yeah. yeah. Maybe on a personal level, that's something that we could, we could yeah. do. Right. Or maybe moving forward in sermons or something, maybe there's room for some time of like yeah. something like that, but let's just kind of go with the question of what does your devotional life look like and why, mm-hmm. and what are the key pieces? I think that I, can I say that I love that question because I think this is something that we don't really talk about a lot. Yeah. Like I, I love it. Like, you know what I mean? We're like, yeah. I'm spiritual and I'm so spiritual that I don't talk yeah. about the spiritual practices I do. It's like, okay, well that's great. But how am I supposed to learn yeah. if you never talk about it? Uh, exactly. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I really like the question. So anyways, let's go Jake first. Cause I want to, sure. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I love this question too. I really benefited from, uh, I listened to a preacher on YouTube all the time and he didn't do like a five minute demo, but he often would just kind of, in his attempts to express what he was trying to convey, he would like give an example prayer kind of thing. And that really helped me. And 
Um, so just to get to it personally, I think what it looks like, honestly, I, I had, unconsciously, I think I have this conviction that I need to have no elephants in the room between me and God. Right. And what, you, what I mean by that is if there's something I'm not at peace about in here, I have to start there. Like I, I, I don't skim past it. I don't have a routine that trumps what's going on in here. If I'm anxious about anything, when I'm alone with the Lord, I start there. I'm like, God, I got to yep. get this off my chest. That's the place to start, yeah. right? Or that's like and a flag or a signal of like, I, I, I always start there. And sometimes that's lengthy huh. and dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes yeah. there's tears. Like I, I have to start there. Like, God, I'm really anxious about this. Or God, I've been thinking a lot about this and I'm not sure what to do. And I literally talk to him like he's a person in the room, like, Sometimes I'll open prayers and this might be a bit weird or intimate, but just like, hey, dad, I need you right now. Like I, I, I need help with this right now. I'm overthinking this. I'm struggling with this. And I, and I aggressively go after the elephants in the room. I don't let those things not get cast to the Lord. And hmm. I'll start by expressing that often. I mean, there's no formula to this, but I, I also often go to a place of, of thanking him for um, something I know to be true that maybe isn't felt. So like, for example, a lot of the anxieties that I'm casting to God in prayer and my devotion with him, um, a lot of them are about identity. Like I'm an insecure person, just full transparency here. So I'm, I'm like, God, I, I'm worried about what they're thinking about me or I, I, I'm just struggling to see myself as any, you know, I, I feel awful about myself right here. I need help in this. And then I'll go and I'll say, God, I thank you that you really have set me free from, from death and from sin. Like, and I, I know this from the scriptures, you know, and, and I, I'm yeah. quoting the Bible and saying, God, I thank you that, you know, I am dead to sin and alive to God in your son, Jesus. I thank you for that truth. I don't really feel it right now, God, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that to be true. And I just proclaim it. I, I speak it out loud and say, God, I, I know that you said that I'm holy and blameless and above reproach because I've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And I, I affirm truth. You know, and, and, and that can like sometimes I, I'm often pacing, by the way, in my yeah, devotional okay. life. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in like an anxious way, but I'm just I'm just going to bat. You know, <laughs> this is getting, you know, quite transparent, but I'm pacing back and forth and I'm casting and I'm proclaiming and I'm just venting, honestly. And then, I mean, from there, it can look like throwing in some worship music and just listening for a while, like the, you know, earbuds. And I just want to I just want to thank and worship him and just still myself for a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. often I'll transition into a long period of time where I'm just kind of sitting and being with him. I'm just trying right. to listen. I'm just trying to be still. Sometimes I can talk too much and I'm not doing enough of the whole listening part of prayer. Right. Um, so it can look like that as well. Um, and then eventually always it would, it would come back to the scriptures too. Like I, um, I, I, I cry out to God for help. God, I, I need change in my life right now. I want to look more like you. I don't want to stay the same. You, you tell me to right. put off the old and put on the new and and also, so I'll say, God, it help me to help me to hear you in the word today. Help me not to just check the Bible box, but I want to yeah, hear yeah, from yeah. you, you know, and, yeah. and then I'll read the scriptures, you know, and that's probably, a, 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 those are like highlighting the most dramatic examples, I guess. Right. But, um, that's what it looks that's like. Really, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's a, maybe a sneak peek into. Very cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. devotional. Um, I think what, part of the reason why I'm so excited about this question is it kind of gives like, I mean, we experience God differently. Yeah. Right. And so there's a there's a way in which this is all personalized to us, which yeah. also means you get to see not only the answer to the question, but you get to see a piece of Jake's heart. Yeah. Right. Or like sure. and I think that the same is true of us. So yeah. here, maybe I'll answer and then we'll yeah, jump sure. to you and then we'll like, you know, switch it up and move in yeah. the line here yeah. Yeah, behind the scenes. OK. Uh, so the way my brain works is I'm kind of like, OK, well, down the road, this is what I want. How do I what kind of steps do I put in place to reach that? Right. So if, if, if part of my goal is I want to know Jesus better or I want to know Jesus more my brain kind of frames it in a way of like uh like how do we what things do I need to do right now that's going to make that happen right because I mean the future happens one day at a time and it happens and I'm kind of like under the impression of like okay well if I take one small step today and a small step the next day I'll eventually get to a place where 
you know, that I, I am reaching this place where I'm closer with Jesus and I am mm-hmm. reaching this place where I know him more and I am reaching this place where I have a better understanding of what's true and what's false and what isn't, right? And kind of like the way my brain works is like, okay, well, one step at a time. So the way that I've kind of thought devotionally is like, well, how, what, what structures do I, do I build that will make that happen has cool. kind of been the way that I've thought about it. So I, I aim for an hour. It didn't happen this morning, you know, full confession, but I aim for an hour. It doesn't happen all the time. And I actually break that up into three different parts each 20 minutes long because that's nice and even and I like even structured things. <laughs> nice. I have a timer on my watch and I'm like, boom, there's my timer, right? <laughs> and I'm not saying we can't learn things. So, I mean, I think I can learn a lot from from the different ways that we hear things. Absolutely. But, okay, so I'm just, just explaining. And, and so the first piece of that is actually, um, I want to read... Uh, I want to read something. So uh, those three parts are, I want to read some, I want to read scripture. I want to spend time in prayer. That's listening and speaking. And I want to yeah. read something outside of scripture and, and that's going to help me. And so, and I actually start with that reading something outside of scripture. So cool. I'm reading a book on hell right now, right? Four different views on hell. Yeah. Interesting. Contemporary options in hellatology. Hellatology. <laughs> uh, <laughs> close. Close. Write <laughs> that one. Four, four views. Anyways. So I, I do that. And, and what that, I found that that helps me. And a part of this is individual, right? But that helps me come to scripture with questions. And it helps me kind of like, it gives me questions and it kind of fuels this thing that I can then go to scripture. And then I can then go into prayer to like wrestle with and to kind of like, it gives me something to like grab onto and like, God, I don't understand. Help me to understand. Lead me deeper into who you are. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like 20 minutes of that. And then, and then from there I go to scripture, right? And it's kind of like, mm. yeah, God, help me to help me to understand what I just read. How do you make sense of it? What is this? Um, how should I understand this? How should I think about this? What should I know? What should I take away? What should I not? What should I sift? What should I learn? What should I not learn? Right. But that's like scripture. And then prayer is kind of the meshing of those two yeah, right. things at the end where that's it's really this, cool. Like, God, what are you saying to me? Mm. And that's through this, and that's through this, and, you know, there's scripture, and there's different theology kind of mixed in, and it's, yeah, that's that's the attempt anyways. Yep. But I, yeah, but I mean, there's sometimes when I when I can't do that, there's sometimes when there's a personal, like, okay, this anxiety or this particular piece needs to be yeah. dealt with. Yeah. And so that happens too. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's also important, is that structure is good unless it starts to choke the life out of something, mm. right? Because structure is there for a purpose, and if it's not helping you achieve your purpose... Uh, do something, change yeah. it up. Yeah, that's good. So anyways, that's kind of the way I think about that's it. That's really yeah. cool, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'd be almost the opposite, right? Like, uh, my my devotional life is very, very unstructured. I know that I have the tools. I have listening. I have the scripture. I have, you know, parent tongues. I have... Um, You're not like 20 minutes go. No, no, not at all, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, there's it's pretty consistent in terms of the time and when it yeah, happens sure, and all that sure, kind of sure. stuff. But um, I, I almost look at it as like a... I don't know, maybe I should be more, I should be different about it, but I almost look at it as like, this is a rest time. This is a, mm, a time right. when I don't have to be driving, when I don't have to be right. um, pushing. It's For me, it's a time when I feel like I'm stepping into the flow of this sort of relationship with God where I'm trying to let him sort of lead it and I'm trusting that as my mind sort of wanders from person to That's person cool. that I might pray for or I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to sort of bring that stuff up in, in real time and then I'm going to pray for who I pray for as the Lord. So I, uh, for me it's very, very little planning and it's like a, a time of of trust, a time of letting go. Uh, so so often it could be full of listening, often it could be uh, sitting there, you know, like I say, 
reading the scriptures right. or yeah. whatever, but it, it would be almost completely different in terms of its flow every single time. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And very conversational too, like uh, mm. uh, very, uh, so the way you guys would hear me pray in church on a Sunday morning, that would be the tone of voice that, Typical. I, yeah. that <laughs> I pray with in my, in my real prayer life. Now it's, yeah. in the real prayer life, it's often more intimate, often, uh, maybe a little bit more um, emotional sometimes than I would allow to myself to share with you guys. But, um, but, but very much the same, same sort of deal. And again, very, very, very unstructured. So yeah, that's really cool. There were periods of time when there was some more discipline around it. Like um, for a long time with OVV, one of the first things I did every morning was I would open up our, photo directory and pray through that's cool for each family and there there are times when i still sort of do that or i'll pray through the list or i'll open up pco and pray for people things like that and so that's little bits of structure but that's a something in the toolbox that i might pull out one day and not pull out another day yeah i feel the same way actually i was going to kind of amend some things with mine too like i also would have some days where i just pray extensively in tongues or some days i'm journaling a lot i love to journal some days it's kind of like a changing it up whatever yeah yeah. like there there is sort of a few different tools in the toolkit that might come out not each day you know journaling being one of them sometimes sometimes it's praying for other people too and like getting like i I will just text an encouragement to somebody or something like i'm praying for them and i got to reach out which kind of feels like wrong or something because yep. I'm touching my cell phone during my, you know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah. you try and put the cell phone yeah, yeah, yeah. away most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, I'm breaking the script to, anyway. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And there would be moments of distraction where I got to call myself back for a long yeah. time. Oh yeah, it meets, yeah. For sure, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. Um, for a long time I prayed with a prayer staff, like a like a piece of wood that oh, cool. I had carved. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. And that would be basically just to help me remember what the heck I was doing. Yeah, like right. Focus thing. Like Nothing like, cool. like there are yeah. people that had them like and it was like some sort of holy artifact that they had made. Like it was part of the sort of You'd charismatic vibe we were part rocks. of. I didn't see yeah. any of that sort of voodoo side of it. Like that was like right. I don't not not down with that. Uh, but if I'm find myself standing in the living room in my boxer shorts with a stick in my hand, I realize, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be praying. <laughs> yeah, why else would I be in here? <laughs> what am I what, what am I doing here? Yeah, what else could on? I possibly be doing? Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Uh, that's, so. Yeah, that's yeah. super interesting. Yeah, that's cool. So maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. How I you just want to make a nod just yeah. before I forget, and it's totally off topic. Uh, but the question that came about calling, I don't think we said who that was from. And I just wanted to acknowledge that was from Mark Maxwell up in yeah. Baffin Island. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So he, so that's the question that came to us from the great uh, dark north right now. Yes, so. yes. So yeah, Mark and I <laughs> were chatting over the holidays. And I was, he was saying he uh, saw that picture cool. I put up on social media about the, yeah. the moon. And he's like, yeah, the moon's been up all day. <laughs> so oh, man nod to mark i think maybe he'll listen to this uh later when he's back but uh yeah, yeah nod to uh, one of our sheep who's in the great north so right so here's what i'm thinking guys i'm thinking we do we do maybe one more question and then we kind of yeah, tie start to I summarize think, and yeah. tie things up does yeah, that sound sure, about sure. right yeah so i thought we could end with linda had a question here and if you guys mm-hmm. have sent in questions which i know that you have because i have them written here and we haven't gotten to them i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah we, we can't. We just couldn't get to all of them, So we might so. be able to get to them later. We might be able to do another thing. We'll, uh, we have your questions, so thank you. Yeah. We'll answer them in some way, form, something. We'll yeah, we could throw them on the end of, in the Q&A afterwards. Yeah, yeah exactly. In subsequent weeks So we just something. wanted to say, yeah, thank you very yeah. much. Sorry if we didn't get to them. We'll do something with yeah. them. You are not forgotten. Uh, so let's end with this, which is, uh, how do you open the eyes of people who have felt the need for salvation? I'm le- reading Linda's here. Da, 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 okay. da. This is from Linda. Yeah, how do you open up the eyes of people who have not, I think it's supposed to say, have not felt the need 
for salvation. Have no felt need for salvation. Oh, well, yeah. maybe I just read yeah. it wrong. Yeah, you guys can yeah. read read more better. Yeah. <laughs> read more gooder. Who have no felt need for salvation. How do you which I mean I think yeah. is a question if I reinterpret that right. It's like, okay, someone doesn't follow Jesus. How do you yeah. how do you help them to see or how do you move them towards Jesus? How does that right. happen? Can we do that? Yeah, all those right. And where do we want to go? Aaron, do you I've been kicking it off one? often. Do you want to yeah. kick it off? Yeah, yeah sure, I'll kick it off. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. One, um, if I knew how to do that. You would I, do it. I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's yeah. the thing, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's one of the things that goes in the bucket of mystery, right? If I could uh, provide for everyone a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit so they knew absolutely that God was real and he loved them and that they were to spend their lives serving him, hmm. I would bottle that up. And, and, and right, you'd be like, you're, you yeah. know, go door to door. Yeah, and it'd like, poof, poof. You're baptized. You you're know, baptized. magic wand that on everybody, right? branch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. <laughs> Prayer stick, that's the answer. So I, uh, I think that's where we're all at on that one. We don't know how to do it. Um, but I think there's some, some big things, right? We can obviously model that life. Like we... Hmm. Uh, one of the great, I mean, I've told the story before, again, apologies to those of you who've heard me tell all my stories a million times, but <laughs> this great time with uh, a guy down in, in Saskatoon when we were uh, pastoring a church with the Cree people north of Saskatoon, we went down to this small group, and he'd grown this church uh, out of almost completely unchurched people. So we were attending this small group of growing young families who almost none of them had any Christian background, but they were now following Christ. Hmm. So it was like kind of a church that had grown uh, almost purely on the basis of evangelism rather than transfer, which was right. just really, really encouraging That's to cool. see. Right. Um, and so I asked him, so how, how, do you, how did you do that? How, how did you reach all these people? And he's, his, his line was just stuck with me forever. It's like, well, I treat people uh, like they're my Christian brothers and sisters until they realize they're not and they want what they want to be. Yeah. And so what he's That's really cool. doing is living his faith in a super transparent way right. for them. So he's not like trying to like slip the gospel in Coerce somehow, yeah, yeah. invite them over for yeah. dinner, have a great time with them. And hopefully Bam. there's an opportunity <laughs> in the conversation to yeah. share that he's a Christian or whatever. Like he was none of that sort of planned, manipulative, manipulative yeah. anything going on. Yeah. Uh, but just... You know, like if Jesus is touching him, he's just sharing that story with his friends. Like right. if, yeah. if he's had a good prayer time, he's, he's, he's sharing that. If he happens to remember, you know, he's, so he's just living his, his Christian life in a super transparent way. It's really cool. And, and, yeah. and an authentic way. So without kind of without the agenda, he's just being Christian in people's presence. Yeah. That's really good. And I think that's, I think that's just super, yeah. super powerful. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I would say is prayer, obviously, right? Only the Holy Spirit can really do that right. work. So good. In people, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. just a lot of time praying for our unchurched yeah. friends. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Really quickly. Those are totally my thoughts too. I mean, a few verses came to mind that it's the Holy Spirit who convicts. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has to, has to make people uh, feel that need to have something more to be saved. Yeah. And only no one can come to me, uh, Jesus says, or no one can come to the Father unless he draws them. Yeah. No one yeah, can come to me unless right, I draw right, them. Right. Um, so there's something that has to happen externally from us that we can be a part of. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that's so key. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think um, I have a couple words that come to mind, which is like welcome and invitation. Kind yeah. of like feel like those are operative words for me. Yeah. Which is... I mean, so like on, on one sense, I don't think we can, right? And that's almost what you're saying and almost what you're getting at too. Is like, I don't, I don't actually think that we can open up the eyes, right? That's the uh, imagery being used, right? Or we, we can't 
convert. You know, you could use yeah. that <laughs> that word, dirty word. Um, but like, we can't make people come to church, right? Like, we can't we can't do those things. So there's there's a way in which we like can't do those things. Like that has to be an act of the will yeah. on their part. That that something happens that this becomes something that they want. And as they want and as they seek for it, they realize yep. that the church holds some of that goodness, some of like holds that it ends up holding what it is that they want, and they begin to see that in Jesus and then follow Jesus, right? Yep. Like that seems to be the trajectory. Yeah. And I guess so. The key to me, uh, key to the way I'm thinking about this, is like welcome and invitation, which is like, yeah, like the abs- the the opposite of coercion, the opposite of manipulation, the opposite of uh, like the way I would have lived my life in high school, you know, where I'm like okay, how do I slip in the gospel, right? And I'm like, in the conversation, not really talking with them, thinking about like, how do I slip this in there? Like, bam, there's You're the gospel. You're not actually present like, to them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, in, in the middle yeah. of doing that, there was no love. Like, in the middle of doing that, there was no, right. like, I'm listening to you, I'm with you, I care about you, I actually, you know, we're, we have shared human experience. I was more concerned about being right and about doing my duty Right. But in the like pursuit of doing my duty, I wasn't yeah. actually doing what I was supposed to be doing right. because I wasn't loving. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, oh that's yeah. interesting. Wow. Um, but like, I don't know. So the words of like welcome and invitation, which I just think yeah. is like we can't. It's like let our experience of the things that we believe to be true. Let mm-hmm. that actually be real and then don't be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as we let that be real and as we're not ashamed of it and as we love people and treat them like people and as we're not as we grow yeah. in our confidence and as we're not scared of like, oh, someone might think poorly of me because of this. Then I think we begin to share out of a place of authenticity and beauty starts to come yep. through that and love starts to come through that. And then I think, I hope mm-hmm. that people start to see the things that I see as beautiful. They begin to see the beauty in them too, it's right? Amazing. And eyes are opened and wow. and yep. like what, what I see as true and powerful begins to be seen as true and powerful. And there's like a welcome yep. and an invitation and a space for yep. people to enter into that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something so about good. boldness too. When you say one of the things you, that sort of sparked with me when you said invitation is that there are people who have a track record of helping people find relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And they're usually the ones who are doing the inviting. Right. <laughs> right. Like right. very often we're just too afraid to invite to, people. We're like, yeah, into our like lives. And or into yeah. That. Or there's, yeah, there's, we feel like there's a stigma or whatever. Or we haven't created yeah. space yeah. because it's not something that we yeah, want. Yeah, look at Eliane so, yeah. Robinson or Rebecca Wissing, like two people who are just phenomenal evangelists in our church. But I think they're just living, like, authentically inviting yeah. people into the journey in a very, very natural way. And mm-hmm. I think that's... So good. That's huge. So I think yeah. we should just be a little bit more bold, too. There's something behind Linda's question that's uh, that maybe tends a little bit more to the apologetics or theological side that I think it's worth talking about. Um, if you're looking at culturally, our culture sees that it does not is not as aware of a need for salvation from their sins, that classic Christian message. Mm. Um, that Billy Graham would have preached, you know, you need to be saved from your sins. Yeah. Like that's like hardly on the radar of anybody in our culture. Right. At all. So how do we do that? So yeah. I'll pose that question to you guys. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Right. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I can, I can yeah. ramble at it first and sure. then you can take a swing. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. How do we do that? I mean, I think, I guess I think all of this kind of falls under the category of what's true and what isn't true. Mm -hmm. Um, And how does this connect with 
lived experience. I mean, in the things that we, you know what I mean? The things that are true will actually have some reflection in ourselves, right? And so if it's true that we've entered into some kind of fallen state where we hurt those that we love, yep. you know what I mean? The things that we want to do, we don't do. The things that we do, we don't want to do. The things that we do actually hurt the people around us. You know, it's the people that we love the most that we end up hurting the most. It's ourselves that we shoot in, in the foot and we know it and we see that happen as we... You know, as we do these things, like I, I think it's hard to argue with just the practical reality of the fact that there is some level of brokenness in us. And I think that everybody can say that. I, think, I know I can say it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think yep. anyone's perfect. I think we can identify there is brokenness in us, right? There yeah. is this, I am not what I want to be. Yeah. I am not what I should be. There's yeah. shame. There's fear. There's, there's, a, there's something that shoots myself in the foot. And the things, yeah, that, the quote yeah. from Romans, right? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things yeah. I, I don't yeah. want to do, I, I do. And I think that we can... I mean, I think that, that's where I find sin echoed like in our lived reality and lived experiences. It's like there, there seems mm. to be something broken in mm -hmm. me. There's something broken in our world. Yeah. How do we fix that? How do we restore that? How do we, yeah. how do we atone for that? And how do we reach a place of wholeness and of goodness and of peace and of love and of joy? And yeah. how, do we, how do we strive for that ideal? How do we reach that ideal? Yeah. And what is the means by which we do that. And is there an answer for that? And I mean, all those questions I think is, is yes. I think that there is an answer and I think I've yeah. found part of that answer. Yeah. And I think I'm still exploring that. But so, yeah, so that's a, so I mean, the, what was the original question? How do you, how do you interact how with do that? We, well, how do we help um, people to see or to understand? Yeah, like, or to, like, so I think there's a cultural, um, I think the shift in culture right now is to an elevation of self. Sure. Um, I'm going to define my own reality. Who I am is good and perfect. And how do I sort of navigate the world and be myself? Whereas the gospel, and so I'm okay with everything about who I am and all of my sort of weaknesses, all of my uh, foibles, those right. are all just part of my personality and, and, I, and they're to be celebrated and everybody should sort of get on board with, right, with who right. I am. Where the gospel would sort of say, Hey, you're to be conformed to Christ. You're to become yeah. somebody yeah, yeah. different than yeah. who you are. Yeah. So how do we speak that message, uh, calling people yeah. To, yeah. into so, transformation? Hey, I'll, I'll answer yeah. quick and then jump to you, Jake. And I think where I start is I just begin to pull that apart. And I think I say, are you everything that you want to be? I know that I'm not. Mm -hmm. Like this thing that you would say that you accept, do you actually accept this? Do you actually see it as good? Like, do you actually hold this thing up, this thing inside yourself? And you're like, yes. This is a good thing. Right. And I think I just begin to pull that apart. And I think yeah. that the things that really are evil, as we think on it and mm -hmm. we reflect on it, I think there really are things that are dark. There really yeah. are things that are evil. You know what I mean? And as we yeah. reflect on those, honestly, I think that we'll begin to see where it is. So I think I just begin in a place of pulling that apart. Let's talk about what we mean. That's yeah, defined. that's really good. But, yeah. No, I'd love to chime in too. I mean, I think... Um, I mean, I, I was hearing your first, the first way you articulated, I think I'm following you that like, how do we get this narrative back in our culture? Not, not to harken back to a time when it was holy or something, but just yeah. there, there was, there's cultures or times where this, this concept of us needing to repent from sin being more predominant, more widely accepted. Yep. And we're in a place where that's kind of the opposite. No one actually is being told that or has an understanding of that. And I guess I just immediately went to, um, here's the, here's my simple answer is that it's so important to work out what you believe. Don't just believe it because your, your community does or something, yeah, or, or yeah, you've yeah, grown yeah. up with that. Because here's what I mean by that. Um, the theology, me, me wrestling down 
the need for everyone around me to to repent of sin, to turn and to think again and to turn and to receive a new life. There's a state that they are in that needs to be altered for them to, <laughs> there's something that needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. Me wrestling that down has looked really messy at times because I, I, I've grown up, and again, I'm not speaking on behalf of the formal position of the church, but I used to have a sense that I was walking around with the cure and I was doing something wrong by not, this is a needle. Vaccine? This is a, yeah. oh, <laughs> Um, I yeah, was we walking around. Any conspiracy theory or anti-vaxxing? Oh, that's yeah. the next next. We week. haven't got okay. to those it's questions coming, yet. It's maybe. coming. Not okay. not yeah. today, but later. Um, Stay tuned. Exactly. Yeah. I, I felt I had. I felt like I was killing everyone. Like I was walking around with this cure. They were sick, and I wasn't giving them the cure. And I, I had this huge guilt and shame. Sure. Like I'm not sharing the gospel with my friends. They're probably going to go to hell if they don't say this prayer by tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I was being driven to boldness and to drive that narrative back into my culture by fear fear for myself, mm-hmm. you know, I was ashamed and, and, and total shame. I'm like, man, here I am with the cure and I can't, I can't heal anybody. I'm just this, What's wrong I'm, with I'm me? evil. What's the, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm an awful person. And I, I, I so again, work, working out my whole theology of what it means to be saved. And I, I won't go into my whole spew here, but like, <laughs> but I, I've come to a place where I realize that that isn't actually what God wants to drive me to share the gospel. That's not the boldness he's talking about is you just you just push through and just say it. You just spew it. Like you were, you were talking about needles, your, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you I just, like the just, idea how you combine you know, the word spew and spiel there. Spiel it. Spiel. Spiel. I know I misspoke there. Yeah. yeah but, but it worked. <laughs> I stumbled. Yeah. Um, so I've gotten to this place where I think the boldness that we need to have to get that narrative back into culture is actually from a place of, of, of love. Like it's, it's actually recognizing that there's something like it's not like like let's call it like let's talk about a sin or something you see something in someone that isn't actually good for them and you desire for them to have a wholeness and a fullness and you just you want goodness and freedom from what's ensnared them or trapped them for them yeah. so you're you're not coming with this this drive of like i've got to save this save guy you. i gotta I'm stab a, him a with a needle a, yeah you know it, it's more like man there's something else here like like Metanoia, the Greek word for repent that Jesus used, like that's in the Gospels often, is 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 thinking again and and starting to bottom out what drove me to get that narrative into culture mm. has really shaped me and how I go about evangelism mm. and how I share the gospel. Oh man, yeah. And anyway, just it, it bottom out what you believe because like if if the theology really is everyone who hasn't prayed that prayer is dying tomorrow, you might live a certain way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or or if it's really yeah, yeah, yeah. if if there's a different way to think about that then you might live a certain way. And to me, bottoming that question out has really shaped me. It's just so important. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, that was a bit of a non-answer, oh. mm-hmm. but but I, I'm just saying that how I get that narrative back into culture yeah. has really shifted over time based on my theology. Oh, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so there's there's more questions. Yeah. And I mean, I would love to just keep going with this, but we, I think we're over time. I think we're over time. So yeah. let's, um, I, but yeah. I do want to end this with maybe just summarizing because I love summaries. That's my favorite. But I, I do want to just like, is there anything from the discussion that stood out to you or that you're like, right. you think is especially maybe relevant to yourself or to maybe people? Like, is there anything that's just kind of like stood out that we talked about that you're like, this thing kind of stuck in my brain? Is there anything that you kind of like to summarize? Maybe we'll just do a summary for each and then we can kind of sign out and uh, say thanks. Yeah. You guys go ahead and let me close it out. You close it out? Yeah. I'll be really brief. I, I really love uh, David Aiken's question about getting a glimpse into people's devotional life and to just get a like a, a how-to, like what do you do? Like just tell us more about that. That's really mm-hmm. got me thinking because you know it's actually something that's impacted me a lot hearing preachers talk about that. So I, I'd love to 
hear what others have to say about that, talk more about that and get that into preaching or like even for my sermons or whatever, that's resonating a lot. And uh, yeah, just the importance of questions, the importance of bottoming out what we believe, digging in, let's talk eschatology, let's talk theories of atonement, let's talk some of these things, let's, let's, let's work this thing out. So we're actually, it's actually something solid. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, So thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks for all your questions, all your thoughts for all, for sharing everything. Um, Yeah. So much. And I think there's just, there's a part of me that's just excited about the asking questions. I think that's there. Um, I think I really enjoyed the discussion of what are the greatest needs in Lanark County and how do we do that? Like, um, mm. I think, I think as a church, you know, and we kind of alluded to this and this was kind of background to the way that we answered some of the questions, but I think what stood out is like the goal is to, to know Jesus more, right. To become more like Jesus. That's and good. so all of the, all of the tools are like, how do we do that? Right. And if something is helping us do that, and I say that us, followers of Jesus, but I say that also people who don't yet follow Jesus. The goal for all of us is the same, mm-hmm. which is how do we know Jesus more? Mm-hmm. How do we move towards Jesus? And um, yeah, just this question of like, what are the greatest needs, right? And I think there's something there about like relationship and isolation and loneliness. And then how do we kind of, yeah, I don't know, that, that excites Serve. me and I think mm-hmm. is really kind of clarifying on, on mm-hmm. some level and helpful. It's good. Yeah, I think I see, saw two real themes there. Uh, the first one is almost every question that came from you guys was, um, otherly, like focused on others. How do we reach others? How do we present the gospel to others? How do we care for others? So I just want to celebrate that in you, OVV, is that you guys have a real missional sense, a real sense that you want to reach out, that you want to uh, make an impact. And, and I think that's just tremendously encouraging for us as a team, for, for our leaders, for myself as a pastor. Um, and I think the question of how is answered by the second theme in the talk. And that is that question of devotional life and having our, our relationship with Jesus Mm. good and healthy. And, and so I think, um, I think that's the call, right? Is you go in to go out and you go out to go in, like those things really, really work together, right? That relational, uh, sense of, okay, if I'm going to be called to reach the community and to care for people and to find out what the mission is and to care for the poor and all of that. I need spiritual heavenly resources to be able to achieve this mission. Hmm. And so to keep that, uh, that peace in mind and to be, uh, really, really going for it. Uh, I think just a tiny little thought on, on David Aiken's question about how do we model discipleship? I think that, I think that pulpit piece, that devotional life, that pulpit piece and what we do on the stream is one piece. And David and I talked about this last night. Um, and then, but, but Jesus had these levels of intimacy and, and levels <laughs> of connection, right? He had a, a, a level of discipleship with the crowd, a level of discipleship with the 12 and a level of discipleship with the three, right? Yeah, it's true. Right. Peter, James, and John. And I think to really, really learn prayer and to really learn how to be disciples, we have to get into 12s. We have to get into our smaller groups and be committed to them so good. and learn how to go deep together. And I think we also have to figure out, and that's something that most churches don't have a model for. We at OVV don't really have a model for it, is we have to figure out how to do threes, how, how to do really deep, uh, more intimate uh, groups where we're really in each other's hearts and really being discipled yeah. in a deeper way. And if we get that figured out, then the mission follows uh, that intimate relationship with Jesus. So it's good. Yeah. Does that sum it up okay, guys? We got yeah, it. Yeah, this is nice yeah. and classy, right? Like this, yeah, yeah. 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 Without breaking eardrums. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Well, we love you guys. We love yeah, you. Thanks, thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back next week um, and uh, we'll be probably downstairs in the studio again. And, uh, but uh, we'll keep you posted on the details. Uh, be thinking about small groups as details yeah, come out yeah, over yeah. the next little while. 
go deep in relationship, figure out your uh, devotional life as best you can, and uh, we'll do our best to teach on it, and we'll do our best to continue to think about how to do the mission together as a church. Yep, so. yeah. And questions are allowed all the time, right? Not yeah, just totally. a question yeah. time. Really, really value <laughs> so. the high level of engagement. <laughs> really want to see that in the after the sermons and stuff when we're doing the more conventional. <laughs> That's it. Don't question us for the rest of the episode. We'll see you totally in 2022 kidding, totally with your kidding. questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, feedback, thoughts, yeah, forward yeah, it on. Good. Yeah, really welcome all that. Love to hear from you. Love you guys. Maybe, Thanks so maybe much, we should guys. just close in prayer. Yeah. Be good. Match yeah. Well, pray. I'll do it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's pray, guys. Yeah, you can bow your heads with me if you want. Um, yeah, Father, we just say thank you. Um, thank you that we're not left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you that you care. Thank you that, uh, that you came down. Thank you that you came as light into darkness, that you're calling us um, to yourself out of darkness and into light. Thank you that you claim to be the truth, um, the way, the life, the answer um, to all of our questions, all of our deepest yearnings. Um, to what it is to be fully human. And so, God, just at this time, we say thank you that mm-hmm. you claim to be the answer to our deepest questions. Mm-hmm. Um, would you help us just as humans, just as people, would you help us as your church to use each other, to bounce ideas off each other, to discuss, to wrestle with, to go deeper? Would you just remove where there's pride, where there's fear, where there's all these other things that would block that, that would get in the way? Would you just remove that? Jesus, um, would our heart be to want you your beauty, your goodness, who you are, your person above everything else. And then through that and in that, and as we explore that, would you just bless our town? Mm-hmm. And would you just yeah. bless this area? Would you cause a great light to shine on this area? Yes, Lord. Um, with loneliness and, and fear and the desire for deep relationship, with that, or not the desire, but the need for deep relationship, would all that darkness be pushed back? We pray for your light to come. We lift up ourselves. We lift up our town. And we say, Jesus, we need you. Be with us this new year. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I'll offer a fuller benediction. May the strength of the Lord sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. The Lord bless us. Lord, keep us. Lord, make his face to shine upon us and give us peace. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.